This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh he plays. Oh, he's the worst. What's he up the right sideline? Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome to Oh, there we go. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football. Thank you, Mallory. Uh, I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, the college editor here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, alongside Carter Yates, our staff writer. What's up, man? I think I'm getting back to neutral. Yeah, I really did a number on my body over Thanksgiving weekend, just yeah. a lot of good eating, a yes. couple too many cold ones, but yes. hopefully I look better on camera today than I looked in that picture Mallory posted of us on Sunday, because <laughs> I was looking rough. <laughs> what picture? Oh. Uh, the screenshot picture of everybody. Yeah, After I did not tell y'all that I was taking that picture. <laughs> I w- took a nap right after the podcast and woke up to Mallory Hartley tagged you in a photo. Yeah. And it was like Your a heart nightmare drop. scenario. My heart dropped. And yeah. I, I think I'm mid-sentence. <laughs> yes, I think I'm mid-sentence in that picture, having not showered from the night before. Yeah. No, it looks fine. Like, if you go back and look, I, okay, I actually took quite a few, okay? Because I was like, I'm and not going to And that was the best one you had of me? <laughs> I'm not going to screw anybody over. And I didn't. I think everybody looked fine. I think everybody looked fine. Whatever. You guys are just being nice to me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyway, as we know from Thanksgiving, uh, there's no working out. There's no dieting. There's no calorie counting. So they don't count. Those calories don't count, basically. It's for those couple days, in my, in my opinion. Four-day hangover They ended sure today. do count. There you go. Yeah. I, I went back to the gym uh, Monday, and it was like yeah, I Yeah, because you like to work out at freaking like, night. Yeah, what's wrong with working out at night? It's awful. That's uh, anyway. No, you just Carter. Do you Carter? Do you work out at night or do you work out in the morning? Mid afternoon. Yeah. See, that's the best way to do. It. You just take some pre when you get home, and you're just boom. Good I to can't go. remember some the last what? time I woke up in the morning ready to attack the day. Right. I can't Come get myself on. to the gym. You're you're, See, you you're a psychopath. Don't. If you're Wake one of the at five a.m. to work out. Oh every my day. god, that sounds <laughs> awful. <laughs> that here's the thing. Okay, <sighs> so pickle and I every morning. Yeah. Not every morning. Most mornings. Three to four days a week, oh. we wake up at five a.m. That's miserable. And we get our day started early because no. then once we're done working out, when we get to work nope. by nine, we're already. Nope. We've already been up for like three hours. Awful. Four Th- hours, actually, at that point. That's and awful. we're already energized. You're ready to go. You're hydrated. That's awful. You, no, have an, you have an accountability buddy, though. Like, I have nobody. And it's also, just me in my bed. Like, I can't. What about get your up dog? Right now. No, my dog is <laughs> sleeping with my parents lately. So well, he's my no. Here's my here's my thing. If I work out in the mornings, I'm tired by like noon. Because then true. it's like because then it's like I have my coffee and then like my adrenaline's gone. Yeah. And then I'm just tired by noon or one, and then it's like I don't want to get through the rest of the day. So no, I always I always I get through the day and I'll go um uh I'll get home and then I'll take some pre go to work out and then i can just like what time you get home fully relax huh what time you get home i mean like depends like between like four or five i'll get in there and then i'll take pre-workout go work out and i'm done by like seven dinner relax do some work bed nope i'm a i'm a morning workout guy in theory but execution wise i'm not well y'all should join 
join the morning workout Let's because not. it's great. Let's not. <laughs> Let's not do that. Let's anyway, talk about some college football. I was about to say, well, instead. we can do is go through <laughs> what we're going to talk about today, which is uh, quite a bit. So in a bit, we're going to go through the uh, – we're going to actually call Craven in a bit because we got some coaching news off the top, of course, as you kept up with textfootball.com on, on Sunday through now. Uh, listen to ROF or listen to any of the other podcasts on the ROF network. You would have heard – and been up to date on everything going on right now in the coaching carousel. So, yes, I will say that we have a lot to talk about, and Craven will walk us through everything he's hearing as far as uh, the Houston job, uh, any updates on Elko's uh, uh, staff at AM, the UTEP job, Baylor's OC search, right? We got a bunch of stuff still going down the pipeline there. Um, and then, of course, we will go into the college football playoff, and that's kind of dropped yesterday because, of course, this weekend, we have the conference championship games. Texas still stuck at number seven, but things aren't doom and gloom. I saw some crazy, crazy scenarios or crazy worries, I should say, about Texas uh, and, and Oregon, things like that. We'll get into all that uh, afterward. But, of course, we should uh, – I, I do want to talk about uh, the coaching search first. So, to catch everybody up before we get Craven on the phone, uh, of course, everybody was aware of uh, – Sunday, bloody Sunday. <laughs> Shout out you two. Um, but yeah, uh, we saw the Baylor job be retained, David Randall, which was, wasn't a guarantee. UTEP, of course, let go of David and Dana Dimmel. Uh, as we know, of course, AM let go of Jimbo Fisher and uh, hired Mark Stoops, then didn't hire Mark Stoops, and then hired Mike Elko, made that official. Uh, and then Dana Holgerson, of course, was also let go. So uh, that's the hubbub now. And we do have some some updates on the Houston head coaching news, so we're going to get Mike Craven on the phone right now. Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm alive. How are y'all doing? <laughs> you're alive, and your phone bill, if you if this was still like the, the 1990s, your phone bill would like be absurd right now. Um, so, okay, so get everybody caught up. Let's, let's stick with Houston right now, right? So Houston coaching news. A bunch of names have been thrown out there. The Cliff Kingsbury's, Jeff Trailers, Gary Patterson's, uh, Willie Fritz's. What is the latest on Houston's head coaching search as of right now? Yeah, to me, this feels like a, a two-man search with a Barry Odom on the outside looking in. If it doesn't work out with Willie Fritz, Jeff Trailer, uh, it'll be interesting to see which way they go. I think both of them would be great fits. Both of them obviously have coached in Texas. Willie Fritz was at Sam Houston uh, for a long time, had success there. Obviously, if you're at Tulane, you recruit Houston a lot. I think the thing that, you know, the longer this goes, the more likely it's Fritz or Odom because mm -hmm. both of those guys coach this weekend. And so if Houston's waiting on one of those guys, then this is going to go into Sunday. If it's trailer, I'd imagine it unfolds pretty quickly because why, why waste any more time, right? Sure. UTSA is in a bowl game. Uh, they don't have a conference championship to play. One interesting thing to watch here, though, is Houston paid, you know, nearly $15 million dollars. Uh, for Dana Holgerson to go away. They have a lot of other projects going on, obviously, as they catch up in the Big 12. Willie Fritz's buyout's $1 million. Jeff Trailers is closer to $7 million. I'm curious what that $6 million means uh, to Houston if it does come down to one of those two guys. So, Craven, Houston could possibly break this week or after the conference championship games. One that is going to take a little bit longer, we think, is UTEP. Let's go out west El Paso. What are you hearing there? It's been a, a little bit quieter of a ship, right? I mean, there's less people kind of beating down the doors at UTEP so they can kind of hunker down and do their coaching search. 
I, you know, we've talked about this on the Republic of Football for a long time. I believe that coaching searches are a lot like dating, where you kind of go for an opposite of what you had the previous time. You know, Dana uh, Dimmel was a little bit of an older coach with a lot of experience, kind of an old school head coach with the old school, you know, way of doing recruiting in the JUCO route and in his offense. I think they're going to go young and offensive. Uh, one, because that's affordable. Yeah. You know, we hear the $76 million at A&M and the $15 million at Houston, and we don't think that $600,000 is a lot of money, but it is at UTEP, and that's what they were paying uh, Dana Dimmel to to his buyout on his last year. So I think they go young. I think they go offensive. You know, Brennan Marion at UNLV is a name I've heard a few times. Obviously, mm-hmm. Mac Leftwich at Texas State played uh, at UTEP. Uh, Chris McCulloch at, at, at UTBB, Brexton. Uh, Harris there at, at Houston Christian. So uh, there's a lot of names going around, but I think that one's going to be one of the uh, one that just kind of pops up randomly that maybe we don't know exactly what's going on until it happens. Sticking with the sticking with the, the, the head coaching jobs right now before we get to the Baylor OC job, looking back on Houston. So Greg Luca put out an article yesterday that, of course, understandably UTSA is going to try to do whatever they can to make staying at UTSA appealing to Jeff Trailer. So if 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 Jeff Trailer was the next head coach at Houston, right? Is this a is this as easy as well? This is a Big Twelve job, and he's going to take this job or this opportunity. Or is there a chance? Do you think for UTSA to convince him to stay by giving him as many resources as they possibly can right now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't think you know this is like I think we forget for coaches this is their career and this is their job. And like I love Dave Campbell's Texas football, but if ESPN or somebody called, I mean, you got to listen, right? Like we're all. We're all trying to see what we can do with our careers. And I think, you know, for trailer, you're kind of stuck with, I I think you always want to do more as a coach. These guys are the most competitive people I've ever met in my life. I don't know many four-star generals, but I'd imagine that's about the only type of person that is more competitive than these guys. They all feel like not just Jeff trailer. They all feel like if they were given all of the resources and all of the backing and the power conference and everything that comes with it, that they can coach with all these guys we see, playing for national championships year in and year out. So if Trailer does leave UTSA, I think it's because he feels like he's done everything that he can there. They've achieved all that they've achieved, and now he's going to go uh, see what the next test is for him and, and if he can do it at an even higher level than he's done it right now. But I don't think – let's put it this way. Just because Houston offers him a contract doesn't mean Jeff Trailer is going to go. They're going right. to have to prove some stuff behind the scenes to make sure they're not one of the resource lists – big 12 programs he's not going to want to go do that so i I think uh that's where it stands right there between trailer and houston and utsa i had another question about houston actually because i saw the basketball coach kelvin sampson talk today about dana holgerson left houston in a much better place when he left than what he inherited coming in whoever comes in after dana holgerson is going to build off what holgerson did craven what is your opinion right now of the houston job and how attractive it is yeah, on paper, the Houston job has always sounded better than I think it is in reality. And joining the Big 12 and when that revenue starts to hit fully in a couple of years and if they can get the city behind like it, there's a lot of ifs mm-hmm. with Houston. And if all those ifs line up, it is one of the better jobs in the Big 12, right? If there's enough money in the city of Houston to where if you can tap into it, you should be decent in NIL. You should be able to fill the stands. The problem is there's four other professional sports. It's a city that uh, not everybody is from that lives there. It's, it's a commuter uh, city where a lot of people have moved in for work and stuff. And so there's not just this like 500,000 Houston grads there like there are at some of these major colleges. And for 20-something years, they've been playing G5 football after they had grown up 
playing in the Southwest Conference against Texas and Texas A&M and Arkansas and, and all the helmets that they recognize. And so I don't think it's as easy as this job is in Houston. There's a lot of recruits in Houston, and so you get to hit the ground and just go win Big 12 championships. But the potential is there if the fan base and the administration is willing to be patient with somebody enough to build it. It's not a plug-in turnkey job. Like right. nobody, Willie Fritz, Jeff Trailer, Cliff Kingsbury, none of the names you've heard are going to walk into Houston and win 10 games next year. Uh, I think that's just a reality that the Houston fan base and the admins are going to have to figure out or come to grips with uh, because it is going to be a build process. It is not going to be a right away thing. Yeah, I think I think that's the way to look at it. Um, I do think that similarly with UTEP, we can wrap up the head coaching jobs uh, co- discussion here. Similar with the UTEP job, you know, are you are you seeing kind of the outside perception of this job change? Because I think that Jerry Kills kind of, in my opinion, is shifting the narrative of what you can do in that region a little bit, obviously being 40 miles uh, west of there. Um, because, of course, this was a job that, like, you kind of imagined a couple years ago, I guess when they were hiring a Dana Dimmel, we were like, well, you can't really recruit there, and you got to kind of do things differently. Are they a program that's going to have an option that should be a possibility for, like, a triple option or something, right? That was kind of always the perception. Do you think the outside perception is changing by not only what I think Dana Dimmel was able to accomplish in some situations, but, like, what we obviously see with Jerry Kill taking New Mexico state to 10 wins you know i think one of the things that's changed it is the transfer portal mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to sit around and develop guys and figure out a way to get dudes to utep you can kind of tap into some dudes at the p5 level that aren't getting enough playing time like an smu is doing not to that scale but to that theory yeah um or you can get a lot of fcs stars that you think are, are capable of playing in conference usa texas state did that with a lot of dudes from incarnate word and mm-hmm. They made a bowl game playing in the Sun Belt, which is a much harder conference. And so I think the young coaches especially see this as a job where they can come in, they can do their offensive magic potion and and kind of storm through the conference, you know, win eight, nine games, go to a bowl game every year, occasionally compete with the big budget school like a Liberty for a conference championship game. And then that can go be a bigger job. And we always look at the stepping stone job as a pejorative, but it's not. And I say this as a UTSA grad. The idea, the ideal approach is get really good coach in there. He wins you a lot of football games. Uh, Another school comes and buys that coach from you for a couple million dollars. You use that money to invest in your program, go get another coach and rinse and repeat and do that over and over and over again. I think for a long time, places like UTEP have hold themselves into we need the old coach that we can afford that has maybe not worked out at a few other places but i don't think that's true anymore the sport is getting younger offense is getting younger and it can be a place where a young guy can come be a head coach for the first time and and parlay that into something bigger so i have an idea about the guys for the houston job and the utep job i have no idea what's going on in waco right now for offensive (laughs) coordinator can you shed some light on this for me craven yeah, so basically they want somebody that has head coaching experience and and can be an offensive coordinator slash kind of offensive head coach. And I don't think it's as ridiculous or as unique as a lot of people are making it out to be. I mean, that's what Baylor was when Art Browse was there, right? Mm-hmm. Phil Bennett was the head coach of the defense. Art Browse was the head coach of the offense. I'd imagine we could step into a lot of locker rooms where that felt true. That was true at A&M when Elko was there, and that's one of the reasons Elko got the job is they've seen him be a head coach before. He was that when he was the defensive head coach at Texas A&M because Jimbo was the offensive coordinator in the offensive room. He wasn't mm-hmm. in the linebacker meeting rooms. And so uh, I think Dave's tried to do a little bit too much too quickly. And going back to the defensive coordinator route, 
uh, I think will be smart. It will be interesting to see kind of what names really appear for this. I mean, I, I think we have a pretty good handle on the list that we put out on, yeah. on some of the on some of the names that that we're looking for. You want to try to find somebody who's been a head coach before that may have a Randa ties. Now, Matt Wells, I think, is you know the former Texas Tech coach is a popular one. They've coached together. You know, even a Jake Spavadol, who's been a head coach before in this state. Um, is an offensive coordinator at Cal and has been one at A&M is another one. Um, Paul Christ was a name that was brought yeah. up to me not too long ago, which kind of fits with what the roster is and what Aranda likes to do offensively. And then another one to look out for is Chad Morris. Um, you know, he's Ooh. been an offensive analyst for the last couple of years. He wouldn't have to be kind of the overall head coach. He could just be an offensive coordinator, and he's been a national championship winning offensive coordinator before. So I think names like that are the ones to to kind of think of as this Baylor OC thing as they try to take a little bit off of Aranda's plate to allow him to go be mad scientist, defensive genius Dave Aranda. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of people were a little, I don't say confused, but like maybe eyebrows are raised when they saw they were keeping Matt Pallage. But like you mentioned, the idea is that Aranda acts as, I mean, obviously he becomes a play caller, but he acts as like, okay, I do trust this guy to kind of oversee the day-to-day defensive stuff, but like under my tutelage, under my watch. And then therefore, like you mentioned, give the offense over to somebody else. Because I think that is the difference between this hire versus the Larry Fedora that he started out with and the Jeff Grimes was that he, I think he had a hand in kind of how those things were being run and necessarily not putting all of his eggs or as much as he probably could be in the defensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball. Um, So yeah, I do, I do think that, uh, by the way, we should mention that, yes, go check out Craven's piece on textable.com over the updated offensive coordinator uh, uh, options, because as we've, uh, put out the first list. Sean Lewis was hired by San Diego State, which is one of the options, and then Seth Luttrell uh, was promoted to offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. So those are two names that uh, definitely were names to watch. But like you mentioned, I, if I had to, I should, I should I should ask this, Craven, if you had to put your money on two names right now for the Baylor offensive coordinator job, who would they be? Uh, Matt Wells and Jake Spavadol. Okay, I think I probably agree with that as well. I'd probably uh, one name that we just added, by the way, is uh, Nick Rolovich who, of course, yep. was uh, very unceremoniously exited from Washington State. Uh, good news. He doesn't have to worry about those reasons here in Texas. Uh, Dishonorably <laughs> discharged. Yes, yes. Uh, but honest, but but legitimately, he doesn't have to worry about those reasons here in Texas. Uh, go read the stuff on the vaccine if you want to know exactly why he was out of Washington State. But the reason why, the reason why he is a name is because he and, uh, I believe, he coached with, uh, or was did he hire or coach with Dave Aranda at Hawaii? I can't remember if he was the head coach at the time or if he, uh, if he was an offensive coordinator when he when they were both there. I couldn't remember, but they they coached together basically, either in a hired capacity or um, uh, they were both coordinators at the same time. So that's yeah, Rolovich was the uh, OC when Aranda was the DC, and then Paul Christ actually was a was a head coach in ah. 2015 at Wisconsin when Aranda was a was a DC there. So gotcha. there's there's some overlap on that list for sure. Yeah. Alrighty, so uh, please please keep it tuned to TexHobo.com and all the podcasts as well. Uh, Craven and Jay had a really good breakdown of the Mike Mike Elko hire from AM on Aggie Warpod. Uh, Jay gave some really good insight on exactly why a guy like Elko over a Mark Stoops is probably safer slash better for AM. Um, and then, of course, Craven's going to be plugged in with all of these hires and all this news coming out. Uh, and he'll be on tap for the Big 12 Championship game, which we'll get to in a bit. So, Craven, uh, stay plugged in, man and uh we'll talk to you later oh yeah there's football i forgot about that <laughs> yeah a bunch of stuff going on <laughs> yeah i'll talk to y'all later 
All righty. So uh, while we were talking, by the way, uh, we can get into a little bit of uh, uh, some conference, all conference awards news. Uh, not nothing major. Or, I mean, I don't want to go too in depth, and I'll put it that way. Uh, but the Big Twelve teams dropped. So offensive player of the year, Ollie Gordon. Don't think there's any disagreement. Yeah. No. Uh, defensive player of the year, Tavondre Sweat. Again, no disagreement. What I did like was Adonai Mitchell, offensive newcomer. I did like that. Uh, defensive newcomer, Austin Booker from Kansas. Offensive freshman, Rocco Becht from Iowa State. Coach of the year, Mike Gundy. I totally agree with Mike Gundy. I kind of do, too. Yeah, if you had told me before sense. the season that Oklahoma State would be, be in the Big 12 championship, yeah. I would not have believed you. The vibes at that program were so low with all bad. their offensive players transferring out. Yeah. They lost to South Alabama 33-7 to at one point. I was going to say, they didn't lose. They got they demolished got by South Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, defensive freshman Anthony Hill and Ben Roberts from Texas Tech. So, I'll actually, it's co-defensive uh, freshman of the year. So, yeah, uh, go check out those. And then the other big discussion point <laughs> today was the AAC. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, go yeah. look at North Texas Twitter right now if you want to find out some <laughs> stuff. North so, Texas Twitter is up in arms. Up in arms right now. Yeah. I mean d- – Justifiably so. So So here we go. So for those of you that don't know, uh, Michael Pratt was named the player of the year, right, Uh Uh, in the AAC. Sure, fine, I guess. Best team, best player on the best team, I guess, use what what that logic is. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you look at the quarterbacks for the all-conference teams. And so AAC, not everybody does it, but AAC does three teams. Chandler Rogers did not appear on one. Um, To me, it's very – it is very difficult for me to figure out the ex- the consistent logic for me because, like, if you look at the names in a vacuum, I think they make sense, right? Frank Harris, Michael Pratt, uh, Seth Hennigan, and then Preston Stone, right? In a vacuum, without considering that, those are like, okay, those four make sense, right? In a Without taking anything else in the context. But then you start looking at it, it's like, okay, do they take team success into account? Okay, yeah, for yeah, Frank Harris and, uh, and, and Pratt. Sure, fair enough. But then you see Seth Hennigan. It's like, okay, well, Memphis wasn't great this year. But then you're like, okay, but he was also one of the statistically one of the best quarterbacks. So it's like, okay, that's why you put him in there. But then why wasn't Chandler Rogers in there? Right? So, like, it feels like a very inconsistent thing. Because, like, Preston Stone, third team, didn't light up the, 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 the conference. But he's playing. if he was healthy, he'd be playing in a conference championship game. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Seth Hennigan one throws in, like, a, a curveball for me. Because, it's like, stats are there, but Memphis didn't have the season that they probably wanted. By that but they logic. had a better season than UNT did. Right, they did. But in my opinion, I think Chandler Rogers had a better season than Seth Hennigan. For sure. I and agree so, with that. And yeah. so that, that's where it throws me off towards, like, is it a stats argument or is it a team success argument? Yeah. There are two reasons why Chandler Rogers was not on this list, in my opinion. One is he didn't start the first two games of the year because right. he was not hurt but picked over right. by Stone Earl. Sure. The second is because North Texas was 5-7, and seven, so team success was factored in, and Memphis had a better record yeah. than 5-7 and seven North Texas. And my argument back to that is, what is North Texas's record without Chandler Rogers this year? Sure. Because yep. I legitimately think they go 3-9 and nine yep. this year without Chandler Rogers. I mean, if he starts, they'd probably go 7-5, and five, mm-hmm. or uh, probably at worst 6-6, six and six, right? Exactly. Like, uh, and then we know what he lo- they look like when he doesn't. He, they went 0-2. Those first two games is even more proof of why Chandler Rogers should be yeah. one of the top quarterbacks honored in I the agree. AAC. Right. Natalie, what's your take on this? I agree. I think you should. I, I was kind of shocked. To see, I was scanning the list, and I was honestly, like, I was very shocked to see that he was not on there because I was looking yeah. through the first team, and I was like, okay, interesting. Then looked through the second team, and I was like, okay, well, he's got to be on the third team, right? And right. then I saw that, and I was like, 
absolutely not. Yeah. I can't believe that. But yeah, to your point, like it's a great point to bring up that like, yeah, he should have probably started those first couple of games for North Texas. Um, and when he did, they played really well. So I completely agree. I think that he should definitely at least be on one of those teams over probably a Seth Hennigan. And when I asked Craven that same question, what is UNT's record without Rodgers? He said, I could ask that same question about Frank Harris. And that's true. That's why Frank Harris is first team. I don't know what UTSA is this year without Frank Harris, but that's the same protocol I would use for Chandler Rodgers and why I think Chandler Rodgers should be in. Right. No, I I think so too. Um, And like, to me, you, I, Pratt and Harris were going I to was be ju- on I was just about to say, who's, who's the better quarterback, Michael Pratt or Frank Harris? I, I honestly think it's Frank Harris. Yeah, I think it is, too. I think I mean, I think they kind of cheaped out by putting them both on first team. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it was a co-career like career achievement, basically, award, more or less, where it's like, here are these two guys. Obviously, Frank Harris didn't play his whole career in the AAC, but like I think it was two, like, we're not going to leave either of these guys off Frank, in their final year playing. Frank so. Harris isn't player of the year because the Houston game, game one, where he threw three picks, and uh, honestly, this point. very last. Last game point. they played against Tulane, he did Wasn't not great. have his best game. Yeah, yeah. in no, between right, that, he was right. phenomenal. Right. No, hundred. I agree with that. So, um, yeah. Again, th- I believe that Big Twelve is done by the coaches. I believe, and I think is AAC done by the coaches as well. I have no clue. I can't remember. Um, I so I, we'll see. Um, we'll see as these these teams start to get rolled out. By the way, next week, all Texas team. There you go. There's our little plug for our stuff. We're we're conversing that right now. Uh, that's kind of a reason why these are kind of on our mind because obviously mm-hmm. we take a lot of these into account when we do our own uh, uh, player of the years and all Texas team awards at the end. So, uh, all right, before we get into the games, let's go through the college football playoff uh, really quick. Came out yesterday. No movement for Texas, of course. Uh, staying at number seven. Uh, I guess the only other movement was Georgia up to number one after Michigan beat Ohio State in the game over the weekend. So, of course, that caused a lot of fervor and craziness over Texas's potential path to the Big 12 championship or the, the college football playoff. So the top four, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State. All right, Texas fans, I know what you're thinking. What's Oregon? Oregon and Ohio State are five and six ahead of Texas, right? I know what you're thinking. Oh, my gosh, what's happening? Oregon's going to get in if they win, blah, blah, blah. We, here's why we don't know that yet. The committee, and I don't think they they emphasize. I don't think they emphasize this enough. The committee does not take the previous week into account. They shouldn't. It is written in the college football playoff that every week is a new week. They're they're not taking. Okay, here's what our top four last week. Let's build out based on this week. They go and it in concept. It is a new top twenty five every single week, taken in a new result. This is why I think that te- they do not have to worry yet. Texas fans is because if. Oregon wins, right, and Texas wins, and let's say, yeah, Oregon knocks out Washington. The problem then is you're arguing that Oregon beating number three Washington shouldn't matter, should matter less than Texas beating possibly number eight Alabama, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, If they lose to Georgia, possibly number 10 Alabama. Now, I'm not saying the resume as it is, Texas has a better resume. Right. I don't think Texas should be five. Based on where they are now, I don't think Texas should be five, uh, seven and Oregon should be five. I think in the scenario that we get where Oregon maybe makes the playoff over them, they're considering the fact that they'd be beating number three Washington in that scenario. The issue for me is where, tech, where Texas would have the biggest issue is if Bama beats Georgia. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's if Bama beats Georgia. Because then, mm-hmm. then you have to make the argument that a team that Texas beat makes, makes the, playoff the playoff over them. That's the one. I, 
Yeah, but then I how would how would Alabama jump Texas then at that point? Because the college because football Texas playoff is probably still probably going to beat Oklahoma State too. Right. Because the college football playoff is based on an Excel spreadsheet yes. of who they think the best team is in theory today, and not yes. based off how the games are played. Right. No, that's one hundred percent it. That would be the logic. The logic would be that, and I'm not saying this is what I agree with. This is what the logic they would use is that that game was early in the year. Alabama's a different team. Texas is a different – they lost since then, whatever. Like, they're going to try to drum up something. I don't – if I'm going to make a call, I think that if it does happen, Bama, let's say Bama beats Georgia. Sure, I think it's a possibility, but let's say it happens. I think that th- – at the beginning of the year, I did not think that they would ever leave an SEC champion out. Right. I did not think that. I think that may happen this year. No Because way. I don't think uh, – here's the thing. I don't think they can get out of their – they. I don't think they'd be able to successfully relay why Alabama would get in over Texas. Which, That's my opinion. That yeah. is my opinion. That's not me reporting it. That's right. me. I think this would be that this is going to be the year if it happens where Alabama beats Georgia, uh, and barring Florida State not losing. Right? If Florida State loses, then I think both of them potentially get in. But yeah, um, yeah. So so this is what Texas fans. You need Florida State to lose this game. Yes, because that eliminates is, a lot of stress. Because even if Florida State wins ten to nine. And they are on their back of quarterback. The committee has never put in a two-loss team over a one-loss team. So Florida State as an undefeated Power 5 champion will get in. Yes. You also need Georgia to beat Alabama to get all of that out of the out of the way. Yes. Here's where it's going to come down to. It's Texas versus Oregon. And in that college football playoff selection show, they got Boo Corgan up there. And they asked him, hey, Boo. Oh Texas boy. beat yeah. Texas Tech 55 to 7 and Oregon barely beat Texas Tech so why is Oregon ahead of Texas? Right. And I am tired of Boo Corrigan going on these shows and just saying words cuz he goes up there and says we look at everything and every data point and dude we know. I can understand <laughs> an argument for Oregon ahead of Texas. I can understand an argument for Texas ahead of Oregon. Mm-hmm. I just wish you would make the argument. Otherwise, what's the point of going on TV and just saying a big word salad? Right. It yeah. accomplishes nothing. nothing. Right. No, 100%. It really does. Like like you mentioned, I could argue it either way. And so, but the point is, if it was my job to relay that, then argue it. Right? Like, right. go up there and say, we, like, if you, if you, if they straight up just don't believe, yeah, we don't think Kansas State's that good, and so that win doesn't mean much to it. Like, Okay, at least say that. Say or that, say right? that loss was in week two, and Oregon has a chance to have a better win, and that's why we're going to rank them ahead. And we're I would position be okay we're with gonna, that. We're going to position them to be better. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like if we're, again, people would have an, a problem with that, but at least you're relaying what your mindset is and what your thinking is. But instead, yes, I see what they're doing by putting them five and seven. Because yes, like you mentioned, if they beat Washington, then it's easier to just plug them in there. But like from the outside looking in, yeah, it just looks like you're giving a team with a less impressive resume ahead and it's like okay it doesn't yeah it it, they do a bad job of relaying their own messaging and the 13 whatever comp uh school athletic directors that pick this go in their hidey hole and they make the top four teams or the college football playoff rankings and then they don't explain themselves whatsoever and that's why we have to debate about it yeah maybe it does us a favor in sports media is we get all this topic we can debate about it because they don't say anything right exactly so it's well they don't they also don't want to get flack for it right now so they're not going to explain themselves but they won't explain it when they when they do the four yeah so that's true so i'm i'm of the i've been of the proponent of don't get angry until it's the final ranking right, basically right. um but again we have we'll get into the play we'll get into the the games and all this stuff because obviously we'll have two games 
kind of three if you want to count the New Year's Six as like something to watch out for. Uh, two or three other games to watch out for as far as the playoffs is concerned. Yeah, so. I'm not trying to be a homer, you know, but I'm already getting – I was getting a little pre-mad about Alabama getting in over Texas. Just getting a little pre-mad. Sure. They're going to make – again, they're going to make a decision. It's going to be a decision. The nightmare scenario is Florida State wins, Alabama wins, Oregon wins. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, then they're see, out. I don't see how Texas gets in. No. Right. Exactly. I don't think Florida. I mean, this is off top. I don't think Florida State wins, though. I mean, that's completely off. We'll topic, see. But well, I think again, that's the- they snuck by Florida with a backup quarterback. I so. think Florida yeah, State wins in the Florida's- most uninspired game possible, and they have to put them in. That's, that's what I think is going to happen. That'd also be very frustrating to watch if you're a Texas because, fan. Yeah, because like, this be. team's going to get blasted by Georgia, and then uh-huh. you're just watching them I just know. get in anyway. Because Louisville's off the rails right now, too. Yeah, Who did they just lose to? Uh, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah a, a pretty right. mid-Kentucky team. It right was not a, great, it's not a great Kentucky performance. So, All righty. Uh, all right, let's get into it then, Mallory. Let's get into the uh, games this week, because we only have a couple, but there are to do everything right. for uh, to, to, what's the that was a bad way of phrasing that. <laughs> They're for everything. Like, <laughs> these, are the that I do, these are the games. I do. These are the games that have stuff going on. Uh. <laughs> well, yeah, there's only two of them. So, okay, let's start off with the Big Twelve Championship. Number seven, Texas taking on number eighteen, Oklahoma State, this Saturday, December second, at eleven a.m. In Agtown, Swagtown, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. You can watch it on ABC. Texas coming in as 14.5-point favorites. Over-under set at 55.5. All right. So, a lot riding on this. Yeah. So before we even get to like the playoff implications, Texas can complete the best revenge tour mm-hmm. of all time this weekend. Because, mm-hmm. of course, this was the last team that they lost to that they hadn't played yet. And – yeah, that they're not going to see as well, right? So, of course, they lost Oklahoma, but they're going to see them next year. Um, they could really just slam the door on the Big 12 with this win. So, my first thoughts on this game are that I think we talked a little bit about how Oklahoma State's not the same caliber, a better they're a better caliber, but like built similarly to Texas Tech in terms of how they rely on the run game. They have a decent quarterback who's probably you don't want to put the game fully in his hands, right? kind of plays into Texas' hands a bit? See, I would think that, too. The only thing is, Taj Brooks quietly ran for 95 yards yeah. against Texas. Like, he had a very impressive performance. Sure. It took, like, three guys to get him down every time. Yeah. Baron Morton looked lost to yeah. me in sure. that Texas That's game. That's fair. I think Alan Bowman is going to have a far better performance in the Big 12 Championship because, one, he's 23 years old. <laughs> right. He's played a lot of football. By the way, let's remind people, he was uh, he played under Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> at Texas Tech. Uh-huh. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> just want to remind people. So that. <laughs> he's not going to be a deer in the headlights right. whatsoever. It'll be very interesting to see what Ollie Gordon can do in front of this Texas defensive line front, specifically Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat. I already saw Byron Murphy put out the 11 a.m. tweet, just like he did versus Iowa State, because Mike Gundy had a quote about, how do you block those guys? He said, well, we've done it for 15 years. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, I mean, yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Mallory. I was also going to say, I saw this tweet earlier today. Didn't. Didn't Texas try and call Ollie Gordon like 12 hours before he mm-hmm. officially signed yeah. to try and flip him yeah. too? Yes. That uh, rocks. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, honestly kind of rocks. Uh, <laughs> as you're seeing right now, I believe he is leading the country right now still in rushing yards. Uh-huh. Uh, by the way, did not really get carries at the rate that he is now for like three weeks, two, three weeks. He had yeah. 19 carries through the first three weeks. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. And so the fact that he, it's, he's on, he's on a, on a stupidly insane pace right now. Um, to your, pre- to your point about Alan Bowman. So 
their loss, their last loss was to UCF. That random forty-five to three, just drubbing that just came out mm-hmm. of nowhere. Um, Massive hangover game after Bedlam. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so he threw for three thirty-four again in Oakland, Oklahoma, in Bedlam. Two twenty-five in the loss to UCF. Three forty-eight against Houston, and then three twenty-one in a game where they needed him to kind of work a little bit against BYU, right? Because mm-hmm. they needed him, they needed to make up some ground, so they couldn't go full Ollie Gordon. So it's, it's been a balanced effort from him after the season again they started like three different quarterbacks this time Garrett Rangel Gunnar Gundy at times that's the thing about Mike Gundy winning coach of the year is I totally agree with it but also he kind of made his own adversity and just not running Ollie Gordon and rotating his son Garrett Rangel and Al Bowman at QB yes so he figured it out right but they were always they were always there they were always there he's just like I should probably just do this this was his his plot to win big 12 coach of the year yeah yeah Uh (laughs) like he did this on purpose it's the uh, I asked my landlord to raise my rent (laughs) 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 um so so here here's the thing so i do think that obviously ollie gordon and the run defense is going to be matchup number one but i do think it's going to come down to this secondary versus uh alan bowman to an extent Mm -hmm. because like let's say they play each let's say the run game uh ollie gordon and and tavondre sweat and byron murphy play each other to a stalemate right let's say ollie gordon has like 100 100 yards but on like four yards of carry right like Mm -hmm. he struggles a little bit for it that means, yeah, Alan Bowman, you're gonna probably have to make some throws over the top, right? And Texas almost gave up some throws over the top from Baron Morton and Texas Tech last sure, week. Sure, sure. There was a flag route to Jay McCray that could have totally changed the momentum. That was a straight up drop. Yeah. So Texas' secondary has been leaky all season. They're gonna have to stiffen up in this game. Notice how I'm not talking about Texas' offense at all, because I do think they just have the upper hand on both in both factors. Like I think we've seen the running game really come through. We've seen Jadon Blue come through in recent He's been electric. He's been great. C.J. Baxter, of course. Savion Red had a really good uh, – no, not Savion Red. Uh, Keelan Robinson had a kickoff return for a touchdown. It's like, mm-hmm. again, they have, like, running backs they can just put all over the field. Uh, Adonai Mitchell's really, really just stepped up as kind of not necessarily the alpha, but definitely the big play clutch moment kind of guy. Quinn Ewers should definitely benefit from playing in a dome and not in Stillwater where it's yeah. 20 mile an hour wins. Yeah. <laughs> Last year was probably the worst game he played as yeah. a freshman where he had a 38% completion percentage and three interceptions. So right. yeah. big time revenge game for Quinn Ewers. 100%. So I'm going to I'm gonna go Texas. I'm going to go Texas outright uh, to cover. Too. I'm going to go for them to win and they'll be sitting on their couch very anxiously watching mm-hmm. everything else go on around them. <laughs> we'll talk about it a bit with SMU too, but yeah. the visual of Brett Yormark can Texas the trophy is going to be pretty awesome. It's, it's be, pretty great. It's going to be pretty funny. He was definitely on pins and needles watching that BYU game last week. Mm-hmm. He's like, he was. Oklahoma State, please. Yes, he <laughs> I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to lose oh, either way next weekend with Oklahoma and Texas. And I said it's going to be very funny. This is not a sure thing, right? The, like, not this a sure is thing. not a sure thing not at sure all. Thing. that Texas win this game. Oklahoma State is a very salty team. Yeah, uh-huh. and I believe uh, it is announced that uh, WWE will also be on scene. <laughs> uh, did you see the Undertaker is going to be there? Hell oh yeah. my gosh, it's uh really? so the halftime show is going to be is Nelly of course with both movie. bands performing with Nelly, uh, but then they also of course announced the WWE partnership and all that. So yeah, it'll be uh, Undertaker, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Jade Cargill, and WWE announcer Samantha Irvin, uh, and then Ricochet and Raquel Gonzalez mm-hmm. will be at the YMCA. So yeah, let's hope Nelly puts on a better halftime show than Jack Harlow. Did yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. see the Jack Harlow one. It wasn't great. You don't. It was low. It was it. low production. And I love. 
I love Jack Harlow. Well, he did fine. He did fine. He, they gave him like 20 bucks to make a set, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it was like they tapped me in at 6 a.m. that morning yeah. and was like, make a set. Yeah, and Carter was like, I can go to Academy really quick. And that's, <laughs> basically, that's basically what happened. There's a Home Depot down the street. Something like, tells me Nelly have a little bit better of a, yeah. a showcase. Yeah. So we got both I'm bands sure. out there, too. Yeah. Whew. It'll be a good environment. A little hot in here with both bands. I'm really excited. I'm really excited for the, for the, the full ag. spectacle of the Big 12's championships. So. In the ag. Yeah. Do you think it'll still be? Uh, do you think they'll still have the Big Twelve championship there next year? They're gonna try. It feels like everything is in Dallas, Arlington, DFW it sure area. Is. Yeah, it I think really CC is. Media Days are going to Arlington next year. Aren't Dallas, they? Dallas, it's Dallas. It'll the be, Omni, right? Is it the Omni? Yeah, I think it'll be the Omni. Yeah. So yeah, everything. Yeah, I don't know. I think Brett, you you have to fight Brett Yormark to not get that yeah. Big Twelve championship there. He might move it to New York. <laughs> <laughs> Move to ro- the the Rock Nation building. Uh, yeah. Jeez. It's because Arlington's the best, obviously. Okay. Anyway. anyway. You said that really quietly for some reason. It's because Arlington is the best. Trying to sneak it through. <laughs> Agtown, Swagtown. Hold it down. All right. Last game of the week, the American Athletic Conference Championship. SMU taking on number 22 Tulane this Saturday, December 2nd at 3 p.m. You can watch it on ABC Tulane coming in as four-point favorites. The over/under set at forty-seven and a half. And I was looking more at the 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 matchup on yeah. ESPN, and the ESPN analytics likes SMU by a lot. So this line coming out is a, kind of shocking. Yeah, a it's a bit. little SMU like again. It's because they haven't played UTSA or, or Tulane this year. Right, um, I get that. And so they've been flying. It's weird. Like I feel like they've been flying under the radar for a lot of people, not yeah. us. It's their like, second yeah. ten win season since 1985, right. and I haven't seen that much buzz about it. Right, and I think it's one because Tulane again they won the Cotton Bowl last year. They're running it back, kind of thing. And of course, UTSA Frank Harris's last row. There was a lot more to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then of course with the the A and M slash Houston job, Jeff Trailers in the. And so yeah, it's like quietly they just like locked Rhett Lashley up for a contract extension. They've just quietly gone to the AACC. Yeah. They've just quite like. Uh, we should mention, like, Preston Stone will miss this game. This yes. is the big blow for SMU, right? Huge. Uh, he put his together his best two halves of football, the back half of that Memphis game. Yeah. And in the first quarter, he threw for 275 yards and three touchdowns against Navy. Yeah. Which, it's Navy, but that was That's the most, not easy. <laughs> that was the most first quarter yards an FBS quarterback has thrown since 2019. P.S. Yeah. 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 He was ascending to P. Shiesty, <laughs> and they took him away from us. They did that on purpose because he doesn't want that nickname. It was too much power. It was too much power. It, <laughs> it would have been too much power. Um, yeah, so here we go. So that means that Kevin Henry Jennings, uh, mm-hmm. our South Oak Cliff boy, he will get Yo. his first collegiate start. We thought it would come against North Texas. Of course, Preston Stone said, get out the way, Junior, I'm healthy, and went out <laughs> and ended up playing mm-hmm. in that game. Um, a midweek game, by the way, and, or I guess it was Friday. Friday. So still. Still earlier than I suspected, and he was like, no, I'm fine. Um, so, yeah, he'll be playing his first collegiate game against the reigning, defending AAC champion Tulane Green Wave, who looked insanely good against UTSA after looking mid for like a whole month. Just sandbagging for a whole month. <laughs> they well, probably, they, they legitimately might have been. Be- yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, this is the biggest stakes Kevin Hendrick Jennings could come into. Yeah. I, has he played any big games before? That we know of? Uh, maybe just uh, one State little one a couple years ago. Oh. State championship. Oh. There we go. Okay. Maybe. 
because there's a lot of talk about this is SMU's biggest game in 40 years, yeah. and they haven't won a conference championship since 1984. Sounds like a high I, school. I remember. I remember a Dallas ISD team hadn't won a state championship since 1958. And yeah, one, some quarterback led them to that. Yeah, and some would say that he was playing for a whole city at that point. Wow. You know, not necessarily a whole college. It was kind of bigger than him a little bit. Playing so, for yeah. Dallas. I think I remember there was 42,000 people there. Yeah, something. A lot of them decked out in all white too, because they had the whiteout going for for South Oak Cliff. So. Look, this kid's built for it, right? This yes. kid's built for this moment. Obviously, there's a difference between the concept of him being ready versus actually facing Tulane, right? But I really don't think – the way SMU has played this year, I think that Rhett Lashley – I don't want to say purposefully has like, oh, I have to put Kevin Henry Jennings. It's easy for me to – that's not what I mean. I think that the way they're winning games and the way they're game planning – is a lot more viable for a Kevin Henry Jennings to step into the scenario, mm-hmm. right? It's I think not pres- all going to fall on him. Right, exactly. Like, they have a running game. Yes. They have a great defense. I believe, balanced. What was the stat? I think it was uh, earlier this year. There's only, like, five programs in both the top ten in uh, total offense and total defense. I think they fell out of that, but they're still right, right around they're there. They're still yeah. around there. Like, SMU is one of those teams. So, if this was last year, yeah, I'd probably be a little bit more concerned because, like, Tanner Mordecai was having to throw the ball all over the place, uh-huh. right? Now, this year, yeah, no, it's not – I think he could have a respectable game and them still com- not comfortably win. That's a, you know, too, it's not going to be an easy win, but they could be comfortable in their game plan, I'll say. SMU is the perfectly balanced as all things should be team. Yeah. They've got three guys who have over 75 carries on the season and mm-hmm. Jalen Knighton, LJ Johnson, and Kamar Wheaton. They have five wide receivers at 400 yards yep. around there. On defense, they have 16 guys with 20 or so tackles. And no one within the top 25 of the conference in most tackles. They are the most balanced team, maybe not in the AAC, but in the entire country. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, they're the best team in the entire country, but just in terms of balance. So they just need Kevin Henry Jennings to be Kevin Henry Jennings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which also, by the way, I I see Kevin Jennings a lot. I don't see a lot of Henry lately. Yeah, I I have no – I remember – I don't know. I remember – I think on the roster it was Kevin Henry Jennings, but I remember on his huddle he was Kevin Henry. He's he's Kevin Jennings on the SME roster. Yeah, yeah. I remember – I don't know. I always remember the hyphenated Henry Jennings, so I I got a piece coming out tomorrow, and I hit hit Kevin Jennings. I didn't put any Henry in there. I mean, look. Look, if it's on the roster, he might have just be going by Kevin Jennings now. But uh, regardless, I do think it's cool that we're seeing – I see a lot of South Oak Cliff uh, yeah. uh, active accounts saying, like, my boy's got this and, like, all this stuff. And it's like, oh, he's been built for this. It's really cool, right? This is a guy who went into his senior – into the playoffs of his senior year as a Missouri State FCS commit, right? Mm-hmm. Came out of the state championship game as an SMU commit. So, quick riser, um, the ball placement, all that is there. And like you mentioned, like the, the, the mental part of the game is not going to be too much for there him. There used to be a Madden game mode. I forget which year it was, but you basically, as a starting quarterback, came in for the college football playoff and yeah. went from no draft standing to a first-round draft pick. And right. that was Kevin Jennings in <laughs> South Oak Cliff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, basically. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, – what's the spread on this one again? Four. Two lane by four. Two lane by four. SMU covers that. I think they did yeah, too. Yeah, SMU covers because because SMU is not even the offense this year. The no, reason they're no. in the championship game is because of their defense. When Rhett Lashley, their last ten win season in 2019, yeah. they were 121st in the nation in passing defense. Yeah. This year, they're allowing 184 passing yards per game. That's first in the AAC. They're going up against Player of the Year Michael Pratt at quarterback. Yep. I got a lot of faith in this defense. 
This is also too. like the toughest pass rush that Tulane has faced by far all year, too. Oh, for sure. So if they for can sure. get pressure on Michael Pratt, like I think it's over. And Michael Pratt, known to not do very well with pressure. I don't Correct. have any stats, but Correct. I just from watching, yeah, don't do as well with pressure. Correct. I think SMU will cover. I think I'm taking Tulane outright, though. I think they might have just really? enough. Really? I think that it's at home. I think they might have just enough. I'm going to take SMU in this one. I am too. Okay. Maybe I'm being a Dave Campbell's Texas football homer here. I, I, I'm yeah. taking them to cover too. I was about to say, it's a clo- I took them to cover. So, like, it's a close game. I really do think. I just think that being at home, Michael Pratt's last game, at least last game at Tulane, like, regardless, like, I, I, I just think it might be too much. Um, that's not to say that I don't think it'd be a good game. Wait, um, is, it, is it just at Tulane? Well, because I, is it? It t- I thought it was at Tulane. It's in New Orleans. Well, so it is but basically a home game because it is. It in is, New Orleans. yes. I didn't yes. know if they play those games on a home field or a neutral site. I could have sworn it was at a it was at a home site because remember because it, it could have SMU could have hosted last week. Remember? Which if, if that's the case, then what are we doing AAC? We I ca- I, ca- I kind of like the, you, I, kinda I don't like, know if I like it. I kind of like because I don't know. I kind of like it because like uh, the Pac-12 tried the when they did like Santa Clara a couple years ago and like nobody went. But. <laughs> Also, like, no shots at the Pac-12, but yeah. that's Pac-12 fans. I mean, fair enough, fair enough. I don't know. I personally like the home f- – I, I It is. It's a, it's a Tulane – it's basically Tulane. a Tulane home game. Yeah. yeah. Which, so, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to give that the edge to them over that. Or give them the edge with that. Well, it's so. also not like that's going to be, like, a rocking environment for Tulane, you know? I mean, eh. I don't know. New Orleans. I was about to say. New Orleans for the championship. If you, if you championship. tell me to come to yeah, one game. Maybe the championship. If you tell me to come to one game, I think they'll – I've seen some of their games. They don't have that great of a – no, no, they don't. They don't. They don't. But for one well, game, I think they can. Really, like honestly, if we're being honest, that's good. Yeah. Have the best atmosphere. Yeah, we don't have to talk yeah. about that. <laughs> 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 we don't have to talk about that. All righty. So uh, we mentioned some of the tangential games that we'll have to be paying attention to, Mallory. Mm-hmm. Uh, start us off with the actually. Let's go Pac-12 and SEC because those are the ones that we we'll have to kind of really keep our eye on. Or an ACC as well, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna read all the ones I have on my list. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Just read them all. Yeah, well, I picked out some of the ones that either, you know, we've got teams in Texas that are in the conference or that could have serious playoff implications. Yes. Um, Conference USA is New Mexico State versus number 24 Liberty. That's being played on Friday at 6 p.m. The Pac-12 championship, which obviously we've talked about before, has Mm -hmm. huge playoff implications, especially when it comes to Texas. That's number five Oregon taking on number three Washington Friday at 7 p.m. Another one, the SEC Championship, number one, Georgia, taking on number eight, Alabama, Saturday at 3 p.m. The Sun Belt doesn't have playoff implications, but our poor uh, fighting schmales are not (laughs) participating in that. That is Appalachian State versus Troy, Saturday at 3 p.m. The Big Ten Championship, Michigan's not going to lose, but it'd be really stinking funny. It'd be very funny if Iowa, like, (laughs) saved whatever offense they had. And then Brian Ferentz, like, look. Brian Brian Ferentz saves his job. Like, it would be (laughs) – Anyway. Can't fire me now. (laughs) Number two, Michigan taking on number 16, Iowa, this Saturday at 7 p.m., which is another reason why they just need to get rid of divisions because that's freaking ridiculous. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. And then to round it all out, another – uh, conference championship that will have playoff implications. That's the ACC championship, number four, Florida State, taking on number 14, Louisville, this Saturday at 7 p.m. So Yeah, so in my opinion, the Pac-12 being first out of the big ones is a big benefit because mm-hmm. um, Texas will kind of be knowing a little bit, right? Yeah, is that's like, huge. That's I didn't huge. think about that. Yeah, so Do, does Texas want Washington to win that game? I think so. It's, it's, 
I, in my opinion, I think so because there's less. I mean, because if if Oregon beats Washington, will will Oregon drop below, or will Washington drop below Texas? Yeah, I yeah. think they will. I think three. they will. I, th- I think I think Pac-12 is okay. potentially winning it in. I think Pac-12 okay. is winning it in. Yeah, which means if Oregon me, wins, I think they're in. To yeah. me, I was about to say. I think, I think so that's too. honestly. I think that's why Texas wants Washington because they. I don't want. I don't. Washington is an unbeaten team, and so I think if Texas sees Washington in, there's no debate. They're in. Mm-hmm. Right. If Oregon gets in, then they're like, that's that's, that's an issue. Team. Right. That's, that's an issue for Texas. Right. Yeah. They can see that as like a controversy. It's like, what did they do necessarily to jump us? You know, that's where the whole like resume things comes in. I think Washington, at least it, again, fans may want any chance to get in. So Washington losing obviously is a theoretically a better chance. In my opinion, I would want Washington in just because there's no debate. Mm-hmm. Right? Just put them in. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, Florida rather- St- I mean, the route's Florida State. That's going to be the route for me. Also, I'd rather watch Washington than Oregon in That's the fair. playoff. Personally. That's fair. That's fair. Really? I, th- I think or- Oregon's or- look really good. Oregon? I think Oregon. I think Oregon has become the better team in the last couple of weeks than Washington. Has. I think I'm just letting the Bo Nix Heisman hype kind of he's good man he's he's gotta swing past Bo Nix right now this is his fifth or sixth year in college football and he's gonna beat Jaden Daniels when doing swing passes when Jaden Daniels has backpacked LSU to their record I mean isn't Daniels the odds favor right now I think Bo Nix is I thought it was uh, Michael Penix is it no, no, it's still it's not Michael, Michael Penix, Penix anymore. Kind of falling off a little. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I think. Courtney ESPN. Kind of oh no, it's a national title. Okay, I was like, is it not? It's not JJ McCarthy. Is it? McCarthy. Uh, okay, oh. it is Knicks. Followed closely by Daniels. I mean, it's not. It, we'll see. We'll see. I think. I don't know. My thing is sticking with the the playoff. Texas fans, pay attention, but don't pay too much attention to the Pac-12 because, like, to me, to me, it's the ACC. Mm. That's gonna yep. be the one that's gonna yep. be. Because, like you mentioned, I think the Pac-12 is winning get in, despite whatever you want to think about the resume and all that stuff. Um, Florida versus Louisville with a backup quarterback where Florida they had State. to sneak – Florida State, yes. Where they had to sneak by Florida um, in a game that they very much could have, should have lost potentially. Um, yeah, I think that Florida – I think it's Florida State. Um, SEC one, I think that's just a lot of drama that I don't think you want to get involved in if Alabama wins, all this stuff. But – yeah, I mean the funniest scenario is that there's all the top four teams win and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State win, and it's just like, or oh, they all okay. lose, and then it's just absolute chaos. I mean that, and then Ohio State sneaks in. That's Ohio awesome. State sneaks in. <laughs> Texas will for sure be wow. in there. Yeah, no, Ohio State would. Sneak They're gonna put in. Iowa in there just for the heck of it. Like, <laughs> actually, no, wait, that's a good. Quick, a little bit off topic. If Michigan does lose, what's to stop them just from keeping Michigan in the title game? In the I think Michigan's in if they you think lose so too. You think so? I mean, I don't just I don't, I don't disagree that they shouldn't be in, it, but like jump Ohio State jumping them would be wild. That'd I be kind hilarious. of I think that here's here's where this gets so convoluted is yeah. like that head to head matchup was more recent than Texas's head to head matchup, so I think that head to head matchup matters more. Right. No, I, I don't disagree, but it's very it's. It I just, wish someone could just explain the criteria <laughs> for being in the college football playoff. There is no criteria. They change it every <laughs> week, why, every this year. Is why, this is why. This is why. <laughs> we just needed the BCS computers to spit out four Correct. teams. Mm-hmm. Like Correct. Just, we don't need a people. I mean, I know they use an algorithm of some sorts. Like that's one of the things they use, is like uh, analytics and all that. But like, we just need no. There's an unfeeling computer <laughs> that just spits out teams that we, this is the playoff, and it's like, okay, sure. Like yeah. there's no con- there's no convincing. There's no. It's just an algorithm. No. Numbers go in. Teams come out. 
these are the teams. Like, right. that's it. What do we have ChatGPT for if we can't use it for this? Listen, give me the, for who are the Wait, four best teams in college football. And then, boom, and it just spits out. I'm curious to see. It'll be like Texas, Bama, uh, Michigan, and LSU or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure, whatever. But, like, no, seriously, like, uh, we're expanding to 12 next year. And this discussion's only going to expand, right? Because mm-hmm. let me, uh, as kind of the, the kickoff, uh, the signing off exercise for this episode. Uh, let's say this was the next year, right? Uh Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, Alabama, Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss, Oklahoma. Now, one of those teams will be out because theoretically Tulane or whoever the group of five champ would be, I guess. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me see. Somebody did this already. 12-team playoff. For this year? Yeah. What would, what would it look like this year? Uh-huh. Here we go. It was the athletic. So it would be Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, uh, Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, Alabama, Missouri, uh, Penn State, Ole Miss, and Tulane. Yes. Okay. Oh, that'd be so awesome. So that would be awesome. That that kind of be it. So again, like, I don't know. It's, it's only going to create more of a confusion. You know, like more like going forward, they're going to be like, oh, what is Penn State? I mean, honestly, it might be Penn State. It's going to be the team that's like, why are they in? Mm. Like they <laughs> lost to like literally every good team they play. <laughs> Penn State's going to be the 11th seed every year and get smacked. Yeah, in yeah. the first round. Yeah. yeah. Will. It's like, what makes Penn State better than? I don't know uh, who's left out. Louisville, LSU, yeah. right? Like who? Oklahoma, right? What makes them better than those teams? So I don't know. It's just going to expand every year, but this year just seems like the perfect storm of like we've had this certain amount of wins, like Oklahoma or Texas over uh, Bama, Oregon losing to Washington, but then looking like the better team. And it's like we've had the perfect storm of like, oh yeah, this is the worst year to have like four teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, I know. It's poetic in a way. It, it really is, is that we're going out like this. It is. It very much <laughs> is. All right. So with that being said, we will call it there. Uh, please stick at TexasFootball.com because we'll be having a bunch of coaching news. We'll be, of course, having monitoring all the games this weekend. Craven will be at the Big Twelve Championship game. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of what else to plug. Oh, yes. Uh, home field as well. There we go. Uh, promo code DCTF. Hopefully you got on the, the Cyber Monday and Black Friday deal because uh, that was a really cool deal. They had 20% going off there. I'm um, trying to think what else. Uh, our last episode of Tech Football tonight, this weekend, on Friday, we'll mm-hmm. be doing the DeSoto and Cedar Hill game. Yep. Woo! Full uh, pregame, halftime, and postgame for that. Uh, it's been a big, big labor of love from the ladies over I at Texas. I want to cry. <laughs> I'm so sad it's our last show. It is our last show. It's It'll been be a hell of a year. It it's been a been. very big hell of a year. So shout out to the lovely ladies at Texan Live oh, and the great you. students at UNT and as well. And you too. Oh, thank you. Yes. You too. Thank you. Thank Mr. You. Analyst. Um, I try. Bracketologist. Extraordinaire. <laughs> Bracketologist extraordinaire. I try. It's It's been a lot of fun. So I'm definitely looking, looking, definitely looking forward to doing that. Uh, TechSoba.com for all your playoff stuff, college football playoff, high school playoffs, all that stuff. If you want all that news, please uh, join there. Subscribe as well. TechSoba.com slash subscribe. All right. So go Rutgers. You're bowl eligible. And Mike Elko, please come on the show. Give us a call. It's a new day.